And then my last job before I went to do relief work, I was like, I'm never going to work for anyone full time again, <laughs> unless I'm the boss, you know? Yeah. It just, I, it, it just wasn't me. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just not wired that way. And at first, I felt like a total failure. From the Texas Veterinary Medical Association in Austin, Texas, this is Veterinary Vitals, a show that features open and honest conversations with veterinary professionals. I'm your host, Dina Goldstein, Media Coordinator for TVMA. Success means something different for everyone. Many veterinarians define success as owning their own practice. This was the case for two veterinarians I spoke with. That was their vision. But somewhere along the way, this image was challenged, and they were forced to redefine what success meant to them. I got into vet school and thought, I'm going to be a small animal uh, small animal practitioner. I'm going to graduate. I'm going to own my own clinic. I'm going to be a rock star at surgery and internal medicine, and I'm going to be able to manage my staff, and it's going to be, it's going to be great. It's just going to be brilliant. That's Dr. Nancy Turner. She lives in McKinney, Texas. And then I got into vet school, and I realized there's a lot of other things to do than small animal medicine, and that was awesome. I was exposed to all sorts of things like policy and um, foreign animal disease control and um, I love cows. Who knew, Who right? Knew? Being a being a city girl from Dallas, they're amazing. Um, but I still, you know, graduated and went into small animal medicine, and realized that I might not be wired to fit into that model. There were a lot of things about nine to five everyday small animal veterinary medicine that I just did not enjoy. Um, One of them being surgery. Um, I cannot stand surgery. It's not that I was bad at it. It's just that I would wake up in the middle of the night and wonder if things were okay. And I didn't like it. Yeah. Like every time I was like, I don't go do this spay. Okay. But then I found myself getting jazzed about talking to people about behavior, which Mm -hmm. my colleagues would be like, I hate behavior. You can talk to Miss Jones all day long about her urinating cat. I'll go spay whoever you want me to spay. And that was cool because I started to open my eyes that there's different ways that people can find their niche. At that point, she was considering buying into the practice, but the timing wasn't right. So I said, I've got to go part-time because I was starting to feel burnout of just every day, um, you know, six days a week practice-ish. The practice then hired a full-time associate to fill her spot, so she had to look elsewhere. And then my last job before I went to do relief work, I was like, I'm never going to work for anyone full-time again <laughs> unless I'm the boss, you know? Yeah. It just, I, it, it just wasn't me. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just not wired that way. And at first, I felt like a total failure because I was like, I... I'm not, I don't do surgery anymore. You know, that part's gone. I'm not able to hold down a job, essentially. I mean, I am. No one ever, like, fired me. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not some deadbeat or whatever. But, I mean, there was, you know, some, some people. So Dr. Teller worked at her clinic for her entire career right. until she switched to go to the college. Exactly. So I would change jobs every three years. Dr. Turner just mentioned Dr. Lori Teller. Dr. Teller is a former TVMA president. 
She works at Texas A&M University now, but she did work at a clinic for nearly 29 years. We'll hear more from her later. Now back to Dr. Turner. And veterinarians, until relatively recently, just didn't do that. Yeah. You know, they'd stay in a job for 10 or 15 years. So I, um, on job number three, when that one didn't work out, started to be like, what's wrong with me? You know, why am I not successful in these clinic type situations, which everyone has told me is the way that you have to go about it before you own your own practice and yada, yada, yada. And so I, I, you know, quit that last, quit that last job. And quitting that job got her closer to achieving success in relief work. And then I just stuck with relief because it just seemed to be more my personality type. But it wasn't just a better fit for her. What it did for me is it forced me to put boundaries up that I was not able to do otherwise. So I'd be in a practice full time and I would constantly worry about patients or clients or how if they were happy enough and did I do a good enough job. And with relief medicine, I go in, I give my 110%, I do the best job that I can, but then I have to let it go, mm-hmm. um, which I was not good. I'm not good at letting things go in, in the medical, in my job, in my job world, if you will. So it forced me to have, you know, make boundaries and that was a success for me yeah. <laughs> professionally. Mm-hmm. So it, it's more, it morphed. Success became how do you get to practice your profession and practice veterinary medicine in a very successful way day in and day out? And if that's being in the same practice day in and day out, then that's great for you. For me, it wasn't. It was the ability to go to different places, help, help veterinarians out, and being able to go on vacation or go to CE. That was the other side bonus of being a relief veterinarian, and I felt like I was actually doing somebody a favor, you know, mm. doing some good and letting these solo practitioners get out. So it, it just morphed from being a, a practice owner and having four doctors and 20 million staff and being like the best clinic in such and such town to how do I be the best, best veterinarian that I can be? And I think letting go of what other people say is a quote-unquote veterinarian is really important. I mean, uh, you get to do the, what you like to do. I mean, I do now. Um, and that's, I think, probably how it should be. Dr. Teller agrees, and she started off her veterinary career on a similar path as Dr. Turner. And like Dr. Turner, Dr. Teller's path unfolded not as she had planned. I wanted to be a veterinarian since I was a small kid, was going to go through school, graduate, go into small animal practice, after a few years buy in, become a partner, um, and go on and do that till it was time to retire. And I was actually on that track, uh, was preparing to become a partner in the practice where I grew up and was working. And the day before we were supposed to sit down with accountants and what have you and review the books, I was diagnosed with cancer. She had to put the plan on hold and undergo treatment. And I got through that and had to really stop and think. My husband's a physician and he was starting his own practice at the same time. And I was like, what do I really want? Was this a message from somebody saying, maybe you should step back 
and reevaluate. Maybe being a practice owner is not the right thing to do, at least right now. And so um, we, we tabled that discussion. I went on being an associate and went on being an associate quite happily doing that. Uh, and it was probably ended up being the right decision. Well, I know it ended up being the right decision to step back um, because shortly thereafter, my son was diagnosed with some significant learning disabilities. And so I needed to shift my focuses on how I was spending my time. And I already knew, even from the short period I'd had off of work um, when our, our son came into our lives and with dealing with the cancer, that staying at home was a horrible option for me. I don't do well with that at all. Uh, but maybe what being a veterinarian looked like needed to change. And so I pursued um, board certification through the American Board of Veterinary Practitioners. I found that very mentally stimulating. Uh, but I also needed to reduce my hours to part-time to be available for my son. And at one point, I even had to stop working for two years uh, and just work Saturdays uh, because family needs had to take precedence over what I was doing at work. Uh, and that was probably even harder than giving up my dream of being a practice owner was like, how many people am I letting down by not working to stay at home? Um, my parents, who had been so supportive of me going through school and very proud of my accomplishments as a veterinarian, I called them and I said, are you going to be really upset if I have to give up doing this? And my parents were like, oh my God, Lori, you need to do what's right for your family. And we're proud of you no matter what you do and and what have you. And so that, that was really eye-opening for me. But having gone through that and where I am now, what's even more amazing and so wonderful about this profession and being able to redefine success is that as things changed in my family life, I could come back. Mm -hmm. I could go back to work, um, working more hours and, and being available to clients and um, being available in organized veterinary medicine and doing those kinds of things. So I think that not only do we redefine success, but we redefine our paths and our journey and it's very easy to, to look at people that we respect and think, oh, they have it so easy, look at what they're doing and where they are, but you have no idea what the backstory is mm -hmm. to how they got there. And you never know what someone's going through unless you never, ask. Never, absolutely. Yeah. I think that one of the things that I, it's, and it be, people say it all the time, is that life is too short to not enjoy what you're doing. And if you're spending more time at work than with your family, then you better have a really good... You better really you love better your job. You better really love <laughs> your yeah, job. Yeah. And I've encouraged, you know, classmates. Uh, we've had, I've had a lot of conversations with classmates that are just like, I just don't want to do this anymore. I want to get out of veterinary medicine. And I have... I was there 110%. When people say they want to leave the profession, I get it. Because I was like, if this is what it is... This is not what I signed up for. Mm -hmm. And um, I was fortunate enough to get out of one situation and immediately go to a clinic that re, you know, vitalized me in the sense that, oh, it's not me. You know, I'm not, I do love my job. I do love the profession. But the environment that I was in before was not the right one for me. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that 
if you're in that situation, just take a minute and really evaluate, um, talk to somebody, number one, um, just, and just evaluate if it's, if it's your position or if it's truly the profession. Mm-hmm. And, and I would add to that too, can you change your position? Mm-hmm. So I was very lucky to go straight out and work at a clinic that I loved that was not a toxic environment and that I was very happy practicing in and loved the people that I work with. And that, that doesn't mean everything was lollipops and mm-hmm. unicorns and rainbows. Yeah. Uh, but are there things that you can do mm-hmm. to uh, adjust the culture or adjust even your perception mm-hmm. of what's going on um, to, to change that? Because it can be hard to leave a job. And I agree. I talk to people that are truly in toxic environments and their best choice is to leave and move on and go somewhere else. Uh, but sometimes there are things that they can do that they may not recognize they can do to make their current situations much more enjoyable so that they're happy again where they are and doing what they're doing. Well, and the, yeah, the first thing that I always told whoever you know, was like, oh, I'm so unhappy, blah, 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 I think I'm going to quit. I'm like, well, you have to give them the opportunity to address mm-hmm. what your concerns are. Mm-hmm. They can, Like we talked about before, they can't read your mind. No one can read your mind. Yeah. And it's unfair to everyone in that environment if you're not going to step up and say, this is what I'm feeling this is how I feel like maybe I can change it. Yeah, coming with suggestions, speaking up about any problems. I mean, that's, that's yeah, step one. In, and then also it helps you realize you do have a little bit more control of your environment. Mm-hmm. And I, I've definitely, you feel like you're day-to-day going in and you're just like, I, I don't have any say in how this is going to go and this is terrible. And that, auto- that loss of autonomy, I feel like for me, was a big deal, mm-hmm. that that idea when in actuality you know looking back no every day is a choice and you can choose how you're going to address the problems and yeah making sure that you're vocal um in a constructive way about the situation is step one right and i know this is going to sound really corny um but i think especially for people who are struggling and trying to figure out what they need to do uh, a gratitude journal, mm. I think, is an amazing tool uh, where if you can identify three things that happen to you during the day or when you get up before the day starts that you're grateful for. And mm-hmm. sometimes it may be the smallest thing, like I was grateful that I had enough toothpaste to brush my teeth this morning. <laughs> uh, but other times you're going to be grateful for that client that stopped and said, thank you very much for mm-hmm. saving my dog's life. Or thank you for taking the time to speak to my five-year-old who wants to be a veterinarian. Or or for helping a technician who was overwhelmed trying to restrain a feral cat. I mean, all of those things are are things that sometimes we need to stop and think about. And sometimes it may just be being grateful for a supportive spouse who is willing to listen to you vent at the Mm -hmm. end of the day. Um, So those kind of things. And if you can do that... uh, to me now, it's just natural. I do it in my head. But I think it's a great way to help adjust our perspective and not get so bogged down in thinking every client is crazy. My boss hates me. My technicians are talking about me behind my back. Uh, 
because we're all very egocentric, and that's generally not happening, happening. Not every client is crazy, and most likely your boss does not hate you, and most likely your technicians are not all talking about you behind your back. But those are things that we have to reset our heads. I uh, was in a clinic um, working, and I walked, you know, you log into everybody's different computer, and you're using someone else's stuff, so I've always tried to be very polite about what... And I'm, I log into the computer, and up pops this picture of this adorable elder gentleman uh-huh. with a bow tie and a vest and this dog that has, like, kind of a matching, like, feel, mm-hmm. you know, a bow tie. Mm-hmm. And I was like, who's this? You know, because you always, I mean, is this somebody's grandpa? Right. Whatever. And um, the doctor that was with me that day said, no, that's Mr. So-and-so. I put him on my as my screensaver to because he's amazing he's oh. the nicest man he's so thankful he loves his pets he takes great care of them you know but he you know is so nice to staff and he's said really nice things to me and i have him on as my screensaver mm-hmm. to remind me that this is the majority of the people exactly. that we deal with and not you know i so i don't get so sidetracked by the one that draws me off sides that day or you know whatever and i thought that is awesome because is. you cannot help but smile mm-hmm. looking at this dude. <laughs> I mean, like it just made me, and I like that's brilliant, right? Oh, it's totally brilliant. So I thought to to Lori's yeah. point, like there are definitely ways that you can tweak your day uh, to to refocus on the on the positive, and sometimes that's that's enough to really help change a situation. Right. We can't control our emotions, but we can control how we react mm-hmm. to what happens to us and how we respond to that particular emotion. That was Dr. Lori Teller and Dr. Nancy Turner talking about what success meant to them when they began their veterinary career and what it means to them now. And as you can tell, the two of them are not just colleagues, but also good friends. You'll hear them on future episodes of the podcast. They talk about female leadership in organized veterinary medicine and even personal topics like infertility, pregnancy, and adoption. On the next episode of Veterinary Vitals, you'll hear from a veterinarian who sold his practice of 35 years to a corporation. I sat down and said, you know, this is the last day that I'm doing this for me and my family. From now on, I'll be doing it for someone else. And, and, And you look around the room and say, wow, there's a lot of memories here. That's Dr. Michael Joyner. To hear his full story, tune in next time to Veterinary Vitals. For now, subscribe and tell your family and friends about the show. I'm your host, Dina Goldstein from TVMA. TVMA.